0: Hi, I'm Anna Rosa Parker.
1: And I'm Daniel Lamb, And this is Artist Inclusive, the podcast for ambitious artists who want to find clarity, community, and creative success.
0: Okay. Hey, Daniel.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Good. How are you?
1: I am good. Happy to talk this morning.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, because I have some
1: questions for you. Hopefully I have answers.
0: I was just thinking about... Artistic careers and you know what we're doing with artist inclusive and I just wanted to go back a little bit and if you could tell me just a brief intro or it doesn't be brief but about your music career what was it that made you pursue music? Oh,
1: well, that's a really great question and I don't have a really like clear answer for you. So I'll just have to tell you the story. Winding way back to when I was a kid, I was always fascinated by the musical instruments that were in my life. Whenever I was at somebody's house, if there was a piano, I was like, attracted to it or a drum set or, or guitars. They seemed like almost like pearls inside of oysters because they people kept them in their cases and I always wanted to go peek inside the case and see what was in it. And you know, I just remember like peeking at people's guitars and being super fascinated as a little kid, but I didn't really get into music until I was a teenager. I was pretty much a loner kid and I was into books and video games and TV and sort of an outcast. And so when I first. Got my first real friend. We're still friends today. I think we met in like the sixth grade, my friend Steve. I went over, he invited me over to his house to watch like a a WWF wrestling pay per view or some shit like that. And I know it's ridiculous. Like what little boys do, they like watch wrestling and play with toys and listen to CDs. And this is the nineties. And I remember going over to his house and his older brother was like this reclusive musician guy and he had a few like Gibson Les Pauls laying around, which are really fantastic guitars. And my friend Steve had just started learning how to play some like Guns N' Roses riff. And he was showing it to me. And I was like, shit, that's cool. Wow, that is so cool. I I must have this. And um, for Christmas when I was 13, I begged my grandma because I live with my grandma. I begged her to get me a guitar. So I got this all-in-one box. It was like a box that had the guitar and the amp and all the stuff in it. It's like an all-in-one thing. And Mm -hmm. I just remember getting it and then sort of giving up on everything else in my life. And I just became sucked into the vortex of music. I was obsessed with learning the guitar. I was really into, I guess you could say, like 80s hard rock at the time, like Guns N' Roses, Metallica, stuff like that. And I remember just, just being so curious and fascinated, trying to figure it out.
0: So did you just learn on your own?
1: I, I, you know what? I started learning on my own at first. My friend and his brother showed me a few things and like how to literally like use the guitar. But after about six or eight months, I got started with lessons at a local like store or studio kind of place. I took lessons with that guy for like five years and really got into it and started expanding. And all the while I was at this. Small Christian private school, and like everything was around like college prep and going off to college and career and stuff, and so I was never super interested in the academic stuff. I was a good student, I was on the honor roll, I made all A's and all that good stuff, but I never had serious ambitions, like my family wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor, and so like there's a lot of pressure to go you know, go to college and figure that out and I got to college, went to University mm-hmm. of Georgia, and just totally unraveled. And like the only thing that I could really focus on was guitar. I was dealing with some like mental health struggles and some just like being on my own as a, an 18-year-old kind of stuff. And so I only lasted for a couple mm-hmm. semesters there. And then I just decided guitar is the only thing that makes sense to me. So I'm going to go study it. And so I auditioned into uh, Atlanta Institute of Music, got into the program there and moved to Atlanta and went through the guitar program there and then started teaching lessons and working at camps and playing gigs and just falling into things, not really having a plan.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think that's just so common with artists, like, you know, what you're passionate about and that's what you want to do. And and sometimes you don't want to do anything else, but then there's no plan, there's no strategy. And it's just really not in the system and it's not in the education. It's not when you graduate from even college with arts degree. You just you stand in front of the, the campus like, okay, what? Yeah, else?
1: it's so you know? funny. I was actually talking to one of the guys that teaches music business at my old music school the other day. And I was asking him about questions like, you know, what are you guys teaching your students about marketing and marketing themselves and like creating a business out of this? Because they focus a lot on mm-hmm. things like Copyright law, like how to protect your IP, how to register your songs and stuff for musicians. But they didn't really talk a lot about what do you do? Like, how do you save for taxes? How do you like build a business? How do you get students or clients or broker deals with venues and get Mm -hmm. gigs? None of that was really a big part of the education. And for me, like being so, so like dead focused on just performing and learning to play and becoming better. I I had absolutely no Mm -hmm. business bones in my body walking out of that program. And so it's no wonder that I floundered and floundered until I pivoted into something else.
0: Yeah, I think that's just so common because, and and you think that talent is enough. It's that you have that kind of a fixed mindset that like, I'm good at this. You know, I, I will get there. I just have to be at the right place at the right time.
1: Yeah, and I think that what you're talking about is so reinforced by things like, books, TVs, movies, where, you know, if you just want it bad enough and you just keep at it, that somehow that will unlock all this other stuff just by osmosis. And that is a big lie that we've been sold as artists. Like yeah. we don't magically come into success or just figure stuff out.
0: I know. And then people like would quote, you know, Warren Buffett. He said, if you're really passionate about it, it's gonna happen. Yeah.
1: You. you need a little strategy too. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's funny that you mentioned Warren Buffett because he's passionate about like real estate and investing. And that's a passion where riches mm-hmm. are sort of attached, right? Music and art and these other things, there's a bit more distance between the money and the talent and the focus.
0: Yeah. So tell me, so you, you got out of the program and you pursue this, you, you're, you you're playing gigs or, you know, are you in a wedding band? Like what, what's, what's happening at this time?
1: You know, over the years I played, I played in weddings. I did um, some Cover band stuff too, where we know we'd play restaurants and bars. I started a few bands that, you know, were just like passion projects. I also taught lessons and camps and I also, you know, supported myself by working in the restaurant business. Cause that's really at a time in my life where the music stuff, I was busy with it, but it wasn't generating enough income. So I still needed a job outside of music to pay the rent and keep the lights on.
0: Yeah, that's where it feels like it comes in like, okay, you need a job. And then there's a job, you can have this job. It's just, it will pay you 500 bucks. And that goes, let's say, make 500 bucks a week or something like that to get to live indoors. (laughs) But then there's no other plan with that that job. It's just to show up. It doesn't relate to anything else in your life when we are living our lives like that. When it's just pay the rent. And then I live my whole life. I'm pursuing this whole thing That is nothing to do. So it's such a disconnect yeah. when we have to do that. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah. So I think you made a really good point about the disconnect there, because for me, what I noticed was that I just end up showing up, trading my time for the same amount of money, sometimes even less every week, and just basically staying stuck, you know, treading water, doing time in a holding tank in my life where, you know, my music thing, Is supposed to transform into something else, Um, doing the work of going to my job. But I was limited in, you know, my options to move forward and move up. I was kind of stuck.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's so interesting that holding tank and that you can move forward. And and that's just I think it's just so common that and you're just waiting for it to happen, that, that it whatever that it is. So what would have helped you at that time? I think. The
1: biggest thing that would have helped me would have been something that would have shown me that there are non-binary options, right? It's not just go to your restaurant job or live under a bridge. I also had other skills that came into play that I just didn't realize that had any value monetarily speaking because I'd hadn't, I, I also had this mindset of, oh, well, no one's going to hire me because I haven't finished college. And there's a lot of belief, I think that if you don't have that piece of paper in hand, that you're not employable, which isn't really true. And I never even thought of the idea that, you know what, I could create my own business, that I could just cobble together the skills that I already have, maybe develop them a bit more and not look at it from the sense of like, somebody, please value me and give me money for something that I'll do. I think that's a big part of why we want to build this community is because there is a nonlinear path that people can hop on and escape that sort of bondage, right?
0: Absolutely. Because I think if you're an artist and you think, oh, copywriting or marketing, that just feels like death to them. You know what I mean? Or, or you know, it's just like, wow, I'm not going to, that sounds awful. But finding a way where you can, whether it's PR, or it can be anything, if you want to dive into new skills or, or whatever it is, but Knowing that you can do it, you can build that business, it can be yours, you don't have to only work for other people. And that's nine to five kind of a thing, the corporate jail, if you will. So, like, one of the things that I got into after I started getting
1: really sick of the restaurant business was I got into writing. You know, my first foray into writing was writing fiction, writing short stories and poetry and things like that. And and I got some of my stuff published online and, and I started to feel like, hey, maybe writing could be something more than just like a a pastime. And then I just started networking and I found out that there were people who were actually making money at writing and they weren't selling their souls to big pharma or working for the man, so to speak. And so I got into like journalism and paid writing gigs and freelancing as sort of like a gateway drug into working in marketing. And it's interesting because had I not met the people who were doing it in person and just talked to them, I wouldn't have even thought about it. It just didn't occur to me.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I could could have gone a different route you know yeah so when you are starting like what what does it take to to start something like what you did your own business as an artist like how did you figure it out i mean after those like you, you were doing some articles and then but there's a there's a big leap from that to the, the business you're running today yeah.
1: yeah so you know i kind of used like maybe we could use a metaphor like like an avalanche metaphor of building a little bit of momentum and then using that momentum to create more momentum when i was just starting out like i really focused on my community and my network because i had this job at this bar i had access to a lot of people and i got to know people and just started up conversations with people and becoming a part of a community where people were hanging out in sort of post-covid world. We're still in this sort of world of online everything. But at that time in 2014, 2012, this world was very in-person and making those connections kind of opened some doors for me. In addition to just really working hard at becoming a better writer by writing a lot, getting other people to look at it, getting things critiqued, torn apart, put back together again. And and reading a lot too and just understanding like the difference between like where I was at versus where I wanted to be.
0: Yeah. There are two things you said there that really worked for you and I, I wish I would have known some of that. But the community to having, you know, people around you and then getting critique of your work. That was smart that you figure I didn't figure that out, you know, until later.
1: Yeah. And it was scary, like submitting short stories to publications or going to a writer's group or whatever. It was Mm -hmm. always scary because there's like that sense of what if it sucks? Yeah. And and if it (laughs) sucks, then I suck. And so there's there's this like idea of shame attached to our Mm -hmm. art process. And so I think that the biggest thing that I learned from successful writers and artists was that sucking does not have to induce shame, right? Right. If something that I create isn't good, it can be made better. That was a big mindset shift for me was that, you know, the first draft of whatever my idea is doesn't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. In fact, like, it could be stronger with the help of other people, not just my solitary genius. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you think maybe because you did that learning how to play guitar, you went through that kind of process too to foster something? Do you think you used an artistic approach in this or like what, how, how would you describe how you did that?
1: A good analogy with guitar is building up calluses. When you first started oh, yeah. to play a stringed instrument, you have to literally toughen your skin to play and to have the strength in your hands. you know. Um, at first, it hurts a little bit. You, know, you get a bit raw around the edges. Yeah. I think the same thing is emotionally true as an artist. You first start putting yourself out there and you get mixed feedback and you get a little bit of success, maybe a little bit of failure. It's a really good thing to fail a little bit. And it's a really good thing to yeah. practice and to have a safe place yeah. for that. And I think that music practice showed me that it just takes time to build up the muscle memory, to build up the callus, to build up the thick skin and to know that in order to create something that's valuable and complex it takes some foundation and then some refining on top of that
0: yeah that's good that to fail i remember being so scared i was like i'm not gonna fail i'm not gonna fail and then when you have that failure moment of failure it's scary it, it sucks but then afterwards it's just you build so much from that if you just use it and build from that oh yeah but it's also but then you can also go into the other way. It's like, Oh, okay, so I suck at this, okay, I'm gonna figure something else out.
1: Yeah, I think knowing when to lean in, when to move and when to bail is, is smart too, you know. Like yeah. I became an excellent guitar player, but it took me a long time. But I became pretty good at writing faster than I got good at guitar. And I could see the financial connection to writing a lot easier than I could with playing music and still working artistically. So mm-hmm. I leaned into it, I still yeah. play music, but I discovered this potential and tapped into it. So making that pivot, I think, was probably the kindest thing I could do to myself other than just taking good care of myself.
0: Yeah, I love that. And so what, what drives you to like create big goals? What drives you... Every day, how do you strategize your your like you have a big goal and and what what are the everyday moments? Do you break it down, or you just have that one big goal right in front of you and you do a little bit, or is there strategy to that? Like, how do you work with goals?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a strategy, and I'm very myopic when it comes to how to go from point A to point Z. So Mm -hmm. I really have to break it down into incremental steps. Say if, if I wanted to say raise my income by X percent or whatever, I'd have to work back from that and figure out exactly what that looks like. Because I get overwhelmed pretty easily. As a person with ADHD, I can hold the ocean and the teacup of my mind, and then it spills out everywhere. And I just get overwhelmed and go take a nap. Yeah. So like on a daily basis, I have quarterly goal setting thing where I'll come up with my goals for this quarter. I have a big vision for the year of like, hey, I want to create this community. I want to level up my copywriting business, do these things. And so I backed that into quarters like, okay, so for the first quarter, I'm focused on creating a system. And so then even breaking that down into 12 weeks, you know, how do I build that system bit by bit so that it's all bite sized little steps? Like Mm -hmm. one week writing out, writing down all my ideas and one week I'm creating a flow, a workflow and documenting the process and really just trying to be systematic about it as opposed to doing a bunch of random stuff and hoping that it works out.
0: Yeah. Taking the hope out of the hope is not strategy.
1: Yeah, hope is not a strategy. I think that's so smart. There's a Buddhist teacher who talks about hope being like a root of suffering. And I think it's a little Ooh. bit dark in a way. <laughs> but I also love it because mm-hmm. it really reminds me about the the power of being realistic. Yeah, Optimism is okay. Blind hope is not.
0: Yeah. It took me a little while to figure that out, though. But I don't think of, oh, I wish I would have known that earlier. I mean, sure, I would have liked to belong to something like artist inclusive but when you look back on the weird paths you, you took or I took I'm like yeah okay I, I met those people in, in this little detour and you know and then I learned this along on the other side of the street kind of a thing our detours they're not they don't have to suck
1: no the detours don't have to suck and when I look back online there's a lot of like rich awesome stuff that came out of those detours And I think that the real value Mm -hmm. in something like artist inclusive, it's not so much about reducing the detours, but it's about quickening the path to making a bigger impact on the world around us. Because the more free we are and the more intentional we are, the more we can influence other people in a positive way. And so like, you know, my influence was a lot more limited in those years. Mm -hmm. and, And now I have a much bigger reach. And I just think had I gotten to that point, at an earlier age, I don't know that would have made a difference, but I like to think that helping people become more intentional is a very strong mission so that fewer of us have to stay stuck, lost, and in that random purgatory of how do I get from point A to point B?
0: Yeah. I say it also like... um Resetting the, the purpose, or like if you lost your sense of purpose to find that and, and, and put that in front of you. Cause I think that goes into everyday life, just how you wake up with that purpose. But if it, the purpose is like, oh, it's not working anymore, that's this a tough, that's a tough, that's a tough living.
1: Yeah. It's definitely tough when you're struggling with an existential problem, like mm-hmm. why or what's the point or. How could I even, those are hard questions to answer and they're hard places to be in. But I think that that struggle is productive in some ways because Mm -hmm. the status quo can no longer serve us.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. That was good. I like that. So tell me what like fascinates you. What's fascinating to you?
1: Oh, goodness. I've always been one of those like wide-eyed, bushy-tailed kids who is just like often his own little la la land, like looking at things and being fascinated. So I think for me, like what's fascinating is really is really just paying attention and seeing seeing what's happening in nature, in in reality. I'm also very fascinated by philosophical systems like looking at the mechanics of why people believe certain things the way we think like Mm -hmm. religious systems spiritual systems social systems it really is interesting to see sort of like how the world is designed and why things work out the way
0: they do yeah so do you want to tell me a little bit like why you wanted to start this community what drove you to like make that happen what's behind it Over
1: the years, I've found myself in teaching roles over and over again, whether that was teaching guitar lessons to people, tutoring people in their writing, working at different schools as a copywriting teacher, creating courses. I I keep coming back to this world of teaching and this world of sharing because I feel more actualized when I'm helping other people with learning more skills, learning things that can improve their life. And really, you know, I kind of started out by asking myself a question of what would have been a real game changer for me at age 22 when I'm like out there struggling to figure my life out. I don't know that had I come across this, I would have had the gumption to actually take all those actions and do the work. But just to know that there was a path and like a structure in place. I think that when we're young, we're always looking for somebody to tell us what the manual for life is and like how to Mm -hmm. go forward and how to move forward. And there was just so many things I never learned how to do, like how to adult, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And now I don't think that we can teach everybody everything by any means. But I do believe that having a community of people who get it and understand that struggle and understand what like how to think both creatively and rationally marrying the left brain and the right brain i think that would have really empowered me to stop struggling and lean into a more skillful way of Mm -hmm. doing life and business
0: yeah no that's really good i totally agree yeah i'm so excited about it i I just look forward to to dive in i was gonna ask you some some questions at the end i wanted to do the the tail end of the icebreaker so we get to know you like in a different way
1: okay i'm in the hot seat I'm in the
0: hot seat i'm gonna put on the speed a little bit and see what happens start with what's your favorite animal
1: my favorite animal probably dogs favorite book favorite book goodness zen mind beginners mind
0: kardashians yes or no no <laughs> how do you eat your corn corn of cop.
1: How do I eat my corn on the cob? Depends on how messy I'm willing to be, okay. but normally with my hands and rotating around like Bugs Bunny.
0: Are, are you passionate about your hot sauce?
1: I am passionate about hot sauce. I'm I'm a middle-of-the-road hot sauce kind of guy. I don't want to be punished and suffer through an experience of trauma from eating hot sauce, but okay. I do like hot sauce to be middle-of-the-road flavor-enhancing experience, and it. it is always a value add, and especially on fried chicken.
0: Nice. What's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? What comes to you immediately?
1: Usually it's just my anxiety of what is the day going to bring? Uh, I wake up pretty anxious most days. And so I, I try to lean into a routine that kind of gets me out of that.
0: Okay. Do you sleep on your back or on the side?
1: I sleep on my back like a vampire in a coffin. I literally cross my arms (laughs) over my chest.
0: Okay. I think that will do for today. Thank you for answering all these questions. And I'm excited to work with you on Artistic Inclusive.
1: Me too. I'm so glad we're doing this. And it's great to see the conversations that are already popping up in the Facebook group. We'll drop some links to all the good stuff in the show notes here. But it really has been a pleasure so far. And I couldn't be more excited. So thank you for this. Thanks. The Artist Inclusive Podcast is brought to you by The Artist Inclusive Facebook Group and ArtistInclusive.com Learn more about Artist Inclusive at our website or join our free Facebook group If you enjoyed what you heard here today Please consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts And share this message with somebody that you think would enjoy this podcast This is how you're able to reach more engaged and impactful artists just like you